How does Elijah explain the remnant? In Paul's discourse to Jewish believers in Rome, which we find in Romans chapters 9 to 11, these Jewish Christians were teaching their Gentile brethren that circumcision and knowledge of the law were requirements for participation in God's covenant community. Paul begins his discourse with Midrash that discloses the nature of Israel's inheritance. All Jews are born to a special inheritance called the birthright, but each person could lose that leadership role because of unworthy behavior. The Jewish believers in Rome were at risk of losing this special inheritance because they were teaching a false gospel. Those who lose the birthright still belong to God, but will not inherit the birthright. Those who do inherit the birthright will become a remnant with a unique role in God's plan to redeem all his children. Thus, the theme of Romans 9-11 to is the inheritance of the birthright and the role of the remnant. Paul uses the narrative of Elijah in the Hebrew Scriptures to help us understand the role of the remnant. Elijah the prophet lived in the northern kingdom of Israel when Ahab reigned as king with his queen Jezebel. Elijah stood alone for God against these unholy rulers until finally he had to flee for his life. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8, we read, Elijah arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Elijah was traveling in the same wilderness where the children of Israel had wandered after the exodus from Egypt. He was on his way to Mount Sinai, where God had spoken to Moses. As the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for forty years, so Elijah spent forty days in this same wilderness. The number 40 in scripture represents a period of probation, trial, and chastisement. After the exodus from Egypt, those who passed successfully through the 40 years of testing were chosen by God to enter the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. They were the ones who were qualified to defeat the enemy to possess the inheritance. Let us return now to the story of Elijah. Then Elijah came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God's question, What are you doing here, Elijah? will be repeated again in verse 13, but only after God put Elijah through additional testing experiences. The repetition forms what I call a sandwich. In this case, the construction is not chiastic because there are no parallel lines. However, the ancient here would have heard the repetition, and been drawn to the passage that the repetition brackets. Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. That's 1 Kings 19.10. We learn two important things about Elijah in this verse, in the middle of the repetition of what are you doing here, Elijah? We learn that Elijah is zealous for the Lord. And in the face of intense persecution, he is the only one left. Zealous implies intense feeling for God, which is a necessary requirement to serve him. However, passion alone is not enough. Elijah was also the only one left. The Hebrew word for left is yata, which is a word that is commonly used for the remnant. 
When we hear that Elijah was left, this signifies that Elijah is qualified to participate in the remnant. Now we read in 1 Kings 19.11, So God said to Elijah, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. I love this verse. First, God instructs his remnant, go and stand. Words that are used repeatedly in scripture for serving God, but the order has been reversed in this passage for emphasis. Normally, we must stand first for God, and then we can go in service for him. But here, God tells Elijah to go and stand. Elijah is apparently going to face some difficult situation that will require him to stand. What follows is a great and strong wind and after the wind an earthquake. The artistry of the message is quite powerful. We expect God's presence to be mighty, commanding, and controlling. We think his response will be wondrous and miraculous. But God does not always appear in the ways we expect or pray for. In 1 Kings 19.12, we read, After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. The fire is an extension of the great and strong wind and the mighty earthquake. But then, after what we had expected but did not receive, we hear something totally unexpected. A sound of a gentle blowing. The translation sound is the Hebrew word for voice, but can God's voice be a gentle blowing? I personally think the answer is yes. God's voice is in the gentle blowing. What is the gentle blowing from the voice in Hebrew? The literal translation is a very small whisper. In 1 Kings 19.13, we read, When Elijah heard, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? We hear God's question a second time. What are you doing here, Elijah? From these words, we learn that we may think we are serving God, but God confronts us with the question, What are you doing here in my presence? The question is a final test, and there is much we can learn from Elijah's answer. So Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. We remember that zealous passion is an important requirement for serving God. We have also learned that standing for God may lead to persecution. Unfortunately, harassment and intimidation often come from God's own people. We may even face death when we stand for God as a member of his chosen remnant. So what was God's answer to Elijah? The Lord said to him, Go. Elijah has passed all the tests. 
and God has found him worthy to participate in the remnant that will lead God's people. First, Elijah spent 40 days in the wilderness, which represents the temptations of the world. We must also learn to overcome these enticements and walk only in the ways of God. Then, when Elijah was praying to God at Mount Sinai, he did not receive the response he expected. We also must learn to communicate with God in a way that allows us to hear from him even if, it's, even if it is different from what we expect. Finally, the commandment is to go. We go and serve our Lord as a leader of God's people. Unfortunately, persecution may follow. In the story of Elijah, we see that unholy people were surrounding him. These were the leaders of God's people, Ahab and Jezebel as well as fellow Jews, his brethren. We hear, The sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. This extreme situation may not be occurring in your life, but it represents the difficulties that the remnant must face when they stand for God. Yet God bestows wonderful blessings on those who serve him. Elijah heard the gentle voice of God. There is no greater blessing than an intimate relationship with the Holy Father, which can occur for believers only through their Lord Yeshua, whom God has sent. As Yeshua declared, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's in the Gospel of John 4.34. However, Yeshua cannot do the work of the Father alone. He tells us, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's John 20, 21. Yeshua needs humble and obedient servants who may ultimately serve in the remnant.